side. So, you know, I understand her scheming, but you know that's going to come back and bite her. You know it. I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> Abigail Brand and Maria Hill are my type of women because they just do what needs to be done sometimes. They don't, and they don't mind being the bad guy. I always mm. respect a person who, like, knows, like, I am the bad guy, but I'm okay with it. You know, I didn't notice that you like those types of characters until you recently said that. Um, I... another episode of another relaunch i am keenan what's up y'all i am lz and how are you this week lz i'm good you know um this week kind of flew by i've been really really busy um uh, work has been that. so like stressful <laughs> i also agree um, with that part <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really busy you know they don't tell you about this part about being an adult I can see why. <laughs> Honestly. Because I would not have agreed to it whatsoever. Um, I had so many comics this week. Um, oh my gosh. I had 16 comic books on my pull list, which I'm not talking about 16 comic books today. Yeah. Some people might have a kickback. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'll make mention of some things. But yeah, the pull, the pull, the pull list is getting a lot bigger, kind yeah. of. I mean, it's I don't know some solid stuff out. Everything's really good, right? Yeah. <laughs> They've been putting out some good stuff. <laughs> um, so with that, let's go ahead and get into it. So first up, we're going to talk about um, Robin number four. And it's from Joshua Williamson. And we had a guest artist. This issue was Jorge Corona. Now, uh, I thought this issue was fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let, let that be known. But I also think I'm going to drop this book. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> And the like, I feel like my Connor hype has kind of died down, and I'm back to remembering I don't like Damien. Oh, okay, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I don't um, mind Damien. And it's a book about Damien. Mm-hmm. So. Damien is Robin. You know, it's just like, and there was like two panels of Connor on this one, and I was just like, oh, why am I reading this book? <laughs> I don't care about Robin. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, he's on this island, a part of this, like, big tournament death match that's going on. He has been rescued by his grandfather, Rasha Ghul. And he's just kind of told Damien about what's been going on. They go through, like, some talking points and training sessions, which is kind of cute to see. Yeah. um, Back on the main island, we have Rose Wilson Ravager. She's looking for Damien, and she's kind of talking to some of the other assassins on the island. And one of them kills her which officially starts the tournament because all of the assassins had to die at least once for the tournament to begin. Um, I think it was Respawn. What's his name? He kind of looks like Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like Deadpool. He looks like, uh, like Deadpool, uh, Deathstroke, who looks like Deadpool, or who looks like Deathstroke. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, that whole little motif going on, but it's black and red. Uh, he's he's kind of weird. She's Apparently, she might be looking for him. That's what it seems like. Mm. There was some dialogue back and forth where she said she's on the island specifically looking for someone she thinks she found after coming into contact with her. She walks away. He slices her stomach open or something like that. She's dead. Uh, Damien is working to get back to the tournament. Doing so, he gets uh, tracked by a couple of people. 
turns out it's Nightwing, spoiler, Red Hood, and Tim. And Tim, that, that's right. <laughs> Does he have a code name? Um, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was changed a while back, but we don't like to talk about that uh, name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's just going back to Red Robin, or just Robin. I don't know. Okay. He is another Robin. He's just another Robin. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I, but, I, uh, I call him Red. I call him Red Robin, but who knows? It is I don't like that name either. I don't. <laughs> he, he needs his own like his own code name. He can't use like Sparrow. Is Sparrow taken? Is that does that not That's fit not. in the motif? No, it would have fit. That's great. <laughs> Let's get the title card ready. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, so I think the book is great. I think um, it's very well written. I think the guest artist is very competent. Again, I think the stuff with Damien and the grandfather was nice, and it was nice to see his uh, point of view and how he sees Damien now. He's like, you know, you're a demon, but you're also a fighter and a human little boy. And Hector ran a demon. Yeah. And so, I like the cameo of the Bat family at the end that was really cool yeah it's nice to see jason i really like that they're going back to integrating him into the family yeah he's always going to kind of be like the black sheep but like they, that's his thing not fighting when they see him so that's great yeah yeah i cool. think i'm going to stick with this through like this first arc i am a fan of damien on teams i'm not sure how i want to read a, like a whole solo about him yet i thought i did but i don't know yeah, <laughs> so far we're, we're reading this, <laughs> and it's not to say that this is bad or anything. It's no, a, it's, it's very it's good, really good. It's entertaining. It's, it's an yes. it's an island full of assassins. <laughs> Duh. What, what's that gonna appeal to me about that, Damien? Um, <laughs> so we'll see. You know, I'm excited to see Connor pop back up and finally like help him get off this island or whatever's going on with that. I think that's what it is. I would also like the story to move a little bit faster. We're three issues in, and now the tournament's just starting. How long is this first arc? Six issues? I'd assume. Then you probably want the Turner probably won't start until issue six. Oh, see. <laughs> what would you rate this issue? I would give it a three out of five. Agreed. Next up on our list. Oh, a new number one. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, I did not read this. So this That's is fine. my first <laughs> <laughs> You did not have but, Icon and Rocket number one. Tell us mm. all about it. Who wrote, who, who did this? Who did this, the uh, this was by uh, Reginald Hudlin and art by Leon Chills. And um, I was underwhelmed, <laughs> to say okay. the least. You know, I have been a, a big fan of the Milestone characters and that Milestone universe. And I am starting to think that, like, this whole relaunch has just been kind of underwhelming a little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you we had a milestone panel before where we talked about how legendary and iconic the writers were and all of the people who kind of created this. But we didn't necessarily need to have them back on the books because there's a certain voice that they would bring to it that is kind of dated. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, Reginald Hudlin was a part of the original, like, I'm pretty sure he created <laughs> Icon and, yeah. and Rocket. So I understand him coming back to this and, like, you know, doing all that, but it just, I don't know, it felt so dated. Like, I under, I, I get that, <clears throat> you know, 
he wanted to have a moment in this book where Rocket was supposed to kind of be speaking with Icon. So for those who don't know, Rocket is a a young girl. She's like a high schooler. I would say maybe like junior, senior year or something like that. She's an older girl. Um, and she is like a regular girl. Like, <laughs> like she's really just like, you know, like your home girl. And she is, she gets into trouble. Her backstory is she gets into trouble and she tries to break and rob Icon, but she doesn't realize that he is an alien. Um, and she gets like inspired to like do right when she sees him fly because she had never seen anybody do that before. And she feels like he could be able to do anything. And that's kind of what inspired, inspires her to be a superhero. And mm-hmm. she in turn like inspires him to be a superhero. And the the series originally was just called icon but rocket was the actual like star of it and the one who you kind of follow through i um, icon has a more um conservative viewpoint <laughs> than than others but i think that was a point uh, at the time anyway that icon was to be the like conservative black man to okay. compare to rocket's more like liberal homegirl and (laughs) you know and like you were supposed to see those conflicts between the two of them and like you see uh icon growing up that kind of stuff there but with this she didn't seem like i don't know she didn't seem to have a lot of her own authority she was like trying to impress some boys isn't that was the reason why she decided to break in and and steal from icon so i didn't really like that at all and um the reason that they wanted to become superheroes, she just like randomly thought about it. <laughs> so like in this story, you see the entire uh, backstory of Rock of Icon. Icon was also like <clears throat> the exact same backstory as Superman. He's like an alien from a different planet, and his rocket like crash landed on Earth, but mm-hmm. it crash landed on Earth like during slavery, and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> his his ship like took the the form of the whoever was gonna touch it at first and it was this, a slave this female woman a slave and she touched it and uh, she named him augustus um and he like basically grew up there but like never aged later and he ended up having this very like pull your strap up from the bootstraps kind of mentality and uh yeah, so they kind of retell that story in this, so you get a rehash of that. Um, that was his mentality after being a slave? After being raised by one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, is that too far-fetched from <laughs> some people that are <laughs> real in real life? No, it's not. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, um. So, I mean, this would was you, rather this was kind of disappointing. I will would say. you would you recommend? So you wouldn't recommend this to like people trying to get into milestone? Uh, maybe because maybe this just maybe isn't for me. But I would I would recommend this to people with milestone with the caveat that so this is different. Rec- uh, like realize that I, this is kind of its own kind of universe okay whereas i whereas i was under the impression that this would kind of be like sure you would um 
you know, revamp some of their origins and stuff, but you would kind of pick up where the previous milestone stuff kind of left off and go from there. But this seems like it's really a complete like start from the ground. Okay. What would you what would you rate it? Um, I would give this like a two out of five. Oh, okay. The art was good and the coloring was also really good. But I just wasn't really into the changes that they made to the characters to kind of fit whatever they're trying to rebuild these characters into. Um, And the writing, like the dialogue was very cringy. The the guy, when they were pulling off the heist in the beginning, like the the kids and the way that they were trying to speak sounds like (laughs) what a 45 year old man thinks kids sound like today. But they oh. think they sound like kids from the 90s. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like, they're trying to, like, the way that the kids would talk to each other wasn't the way that kids today would talk to each other. I see what you're saying. It's not very, um, okay. I can understand that. So, is is this a finite series? Is it, like, one of six or one it's, of eight? So, they're doing these things in seasons. So, I don't know what that means if they bring in, like, a new team with the next season. Uh, but this is number of season one number one static had a i think that's only 10 issues and then i'm assuming the next season starts after that but this doesn't have a kind of a a number an ending number but we'll see okay we're chugging along the milestone train the next one up on our list is static number two i also unfortunately did not read this one um so (laughs) tell us all about it well, keeping on to that milestone trend, <laughs> I will say again <laughs> that uh, this, I will say that this kind of touched on what we did talk about during that milestone panel that we had a while back, where there is a difference between what well, a newer writer would bring to like a milestone character versus what just bringing the kind of the older milestone writers back to bring this <clears throat> book back into life. But with Vita, and their writing, I think I have to accept that they just don't bring that punch that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Because I've I've expressed that before in... Um, you said it a couple times on like New Mutants. New Mutants. Wow. And some of their other works too. Like there was a t- with the, some Future State books that they wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always like kind of just missing. <laughs> just like something... Yeah. Um, that like turns it up yeah and, and so with this you and so you say there's still some action in the book yeah definitely it's, so this book opens up with them so that previous issue uh hot streak would burn down static's home and mm-hmm. static like does this really cool science moment where he like breaks down how he can like make a force field and uh like use his static electricity to kind of get the blast away from his house pretty really cool moment and you know i love the science but it it also ends up changing static's origin so uh, his parents end up like seeing him use his powers (laughs) so there is no secret anymore as far as like a secret identity Um, but i did think that it was really cool to see the conversation that his parents end up having it felt like one that my parents have had before and um, where his mom and dad are arguing over what he should do with his powers and 
and how he wants to use them and what he should be using them for. The dad is afraid of him using them because she's afraid of him getting hurt. And his mom is a, I think she's, she's in medicine. I don't know if she's a doctor or if she's a nurse, um, but I know that she's in, in medicine and she wants, is more okay with him doing it. So I thought that the family moments were pretty interesting. And his sister is like, you know, trying to be there for him. Uh, but like no one's really listening to him. So these moments were interesting and really good. Again, Vita gets like the character moments, mm-hmm. but like the I got I guess I'm missing like that that punch there. That punch. Okay. Okay, what would you rate it? Uh you know, this wasn't that bad. I would give this a three out of five. Some of the stuff in it was a little too convenient for me because um he randomly has a teacher who you've never seen their face before, who who was his like physics teacher from last summer that they say, who taught him all of this stuff that he knows, where he's like pulling out all of these tricks. And he calls this teacher and is like, oh, I need help. And he instantly just tells him like, I got powers and all this other stuff. And then the teacher is like, hey, you can go and use my old storage locker it, it might have some stuff in there to help you. And when he goes and finds the storage locker, it's got like all these um, suits for him and like all these devices for him to use. It's like, uh, okay, <laughs> how did he have all this stuff? So okay. some of the stuff was a little too convenient, but it's yeah. comics, so whatever. Okay. So are you are you are you gonna stick with this for the entirety of the ten issues? I'm not sure if I'll stick with it for the entirety of the ten issues. I may pop back in sometime later. Um, we'll see. I think they are getting a new artist on this, which is interesting because I'm not the biggest fan of the artist on this. I love their designs. I absolutely love what they've done with Static and like his hair and all that stuff. But I'm not the biggest fan of uh, like this kind of anime stylish art. Um, okay. Even though even though I love anime, <laughs> but <laughs> not you. Uh, I'm not really liking the way that this is drawn in the comic. I would uh, like something a little bit different. Okay. All right. Well, that's static number two. Let's move gears a little bit. Let's go over to Daredevil number 32. Now, um, is Electra still, like, the lead of this book? Mm-hmm. Oh. So I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I stopped reading. Um, yeah, but this I was, is looking, at my, I was looking at my list of this on uh, Comixology, and I was like, how long have I been reading Daredevil? And I literally popped in when she was Electra. So <laughs> yeah, then when she leave, I'm out. <laughs> and that's probably when I'll jump back in. Uh, <laughs> but this is from uh, Zdarsky, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Chichetto. Um Tell us what's going on in Electra's world. You know, a daredevil, as we have to call her now, because she's wearing the mask. And uh, everything right now is, it's interesting the way that they've been bringing Bullseye back, because this Mm -hmm. issue is that. So Bullseye returned last issue, and he's basically been going on a killing streak. But um, it's not a secret. So, like, the entire city, like, locks down. And on the news, they say, like, everyone, like, please stay in your homes. Like, Bullseye's out, and he's, like, on a killing spree. So it's interesting to see that, like, it's, like, out in the open. And, like, you know, people know that this is going on. Um, You even see, like, the, I think it was a human torch or some kind of fire character, like, fly by. And there's a comment about how the superheroes are, like, doing a search throughout, out looking for them. Yeah, a a Spider-Man swings by. Even (laughs) Spider-Man 
stops and finds Daredevil and is like, oh, I figured this was you. It's Elektra, isn't it? And Elektra holds up her side and was like, it's obviously not a secret. Like, <laughs> what other person do you know <laughs> uses these? <laughs> and they have a little chat, and so which I thought was really cute. Um, Matt is still in jail and, um, you know, he's dealing with everything there. He's trying to figure out how I think he's going to be an FBI informant. Um, and so that one little girl that ran away before from Electra that she had kind of mm-hmm. trained, she ends up coming back and she's like, you know, I'm sorry for running away. That was just a lot for me. And Electra is like, she's like six. <laughs> <laughs> I swear she was older when that, when this started. <laughs> and Electra's like, um, it's okay. You're weak. And um, (laughs) Electra's like, no, it's it's fine because so am I. Like we have strength and weaknesses in different places. And she like sits and tells her that like, you know, I thought it was as simple as like just making you get faster. But like not everybody works the same way that I do. So she's like trying to, you know, learn a little bit from that. Uh, But of course, then she ends up finding out where uh, Bullseye is. They end up having a really cool fight. And turns out that, like, Bullseye, there's three of them <laughs> because she's fighting one and she was about to kill him, but mm-hmm. changes her mind because she's Daredevil. And then, of course, like, one stabs her in the back and then you realize that she's surrounded by, like, three Bullseye. So I guess we'll find out how she, who these other Bullseye are, if he's got clones, what's going on. Okay. How, um, what would you rate this? I would give this a 3.5 out of 5, for sure. Okay. Solid. Sounds interesting. I mean, I think it's great for the Electra fans. I just... Um, great work for Electra right now, and, and as she's been Daredevil. Yeah, if, you, if you're a fan of Electra, you should definitely go check that out. <laughs> I picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> Next up on our list is the Eternals number... What is this? Five, six? Six. Six. Yeah, six. And this is from Kieran Jalen and Eastside Ribic. And it is, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be an Eternals fan when this book is over. Like if someone else comes on. But right now, I'm an Eternals <laughs> fan. Absolutely. This, <laughs> and, this is one of my easily top four books. And I am enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so in this issue, you know, we discovered last issue that Fastos is the traitor and that he brought Thanos back and he's like killing the machine um, that resurrects the Eternals. And so they go to challenge him. We kind of figure out why he's doing that. He's learned this big secret about it. So they fight a little bit. The Eternals are like working together. It looks really good. Cersei is creating uh, fungus, making them grow on Thanos. Uh, really cool. Kingo's looking good. Icarus is just himself and powerful. Gilgamesh is like just pummeling him and throwing him into a portal. Um, and then so we see that because of the machine, the world is being destroyed. And so Icarus goes to like protect some folks and stop the threat. He ends up dying in the process. Then we get back to Fastos and we also see that Icarus is going through his resurrection process. And we discover that when the Eternals are resurrected, a human dies. And so for those who have been reading the series, you know that Icarus was like been connected to this little boy named Toby Robson, who he's like been sent to protect. And we find out like this resurrection of Icarus has killed Toby. 
And it's like, damn. Damn, right? <laughs> like, like when I when I flipped the page, and that, I was like, oh no. Nah. Like, I was like, damn. I was like, that's messed up. I was like, this, is, this is sad. Um, but throughout the, all of this process, you know, the Eternals are talking to like Cersei and Thena and King on all of them, and like we find out that they figured they've known this like multiple times. And um, Cersei so, kind like, of- I've been new. <laughs> like I've been new. And she was like, whatever, like we just gotta get over it. Um, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is, that's my girl. Uh, she was like, I got a party to go to, which was like making me think was like at a different party where she talking about the uh, Hellfire Gala. Oh, it was, probably was the Hellfire Gala. Yeah, that was- Wasn't, I, she, wasn't she there? She was there. Oh, that's she, cool, that, that's cool. So I was like, oh, that was cute if that's what she was talking about. Um. But yeah, that's happening. Uh, and so again, the attempt, like, I'm here for this book. It's a great, it's a really great series. I um, I really like the fact that the way that they use telepathy in this and the way that like Kieran broke it down, I assume that is a superpower that he is a fan of because uh, that one data page that kind of broke down their consciousness and like, and like what level of your consciousness and how difficult it is for a telepath to get into that was really really cool um i thought that, that was really dope and when cersei just kind of revealed that you know she had already known and that she said that like you've had your minds wiped before whenever we've gone to the unimind to like talk about this and like figure out whatever mm-hmm. um every time you've just had your minds wiped and gone over it but like i just live with it because whatever <laughs> what are we gonna <laughs> we, we would like, outlive them anyway <laughs> yeah, she, like, like we said like they're gonna die right so um Love a pragmatic woman, but yeah, I'm just like the. Then art they end up going to the deviants good. to go. It looks like to get some kind of assistance on how to live. Yeah, and like not kill humans, hopefully, because I would hate to be the person who, who like just wakes up. Well, I guess you don't wake up dead, but <laughs> 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 you get what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Um, what would I'm you continue. Oh, I, I think I would actually give this a five out of five. Oh really? Okay. I was yeah, gonna like point five out of five. It was solid. Like this. Really I, I, I don't think they're like I was captivated by this comic book. Like turning mm-hmm. the page. I I love Riddick's like painted style. Um, I love the like fighting with Thanos. I love the inner monologuing. I loved uh, Fastos and like you know just kind of the revelation of it. The other Eternal who was using his telepathy to get into his memory to make him forget how to like stop Thanos. That um, was cool. It's just this is good. Like this again, that telepathy consciousness model data page. I I, I like read that like eight times. <laughs> it was so cool. I, I was, was like, like, I wish. I was like, I wonder if the mutants have anything like this, or if any other like telepathic group has some kind of like breakdown, or if this is just the standard breakdown. I mean, it, it might. They might now. <laughs> yeah. What would you rate? Oh, you said four point five, right? Yeah, definitely a four point five. Another a stellar series. A lot of good stuff this week. Speaking of our next book on the list is uh Black Widow number nine. The Eisner winning series. Yes, yes, the Eisner winning series. <laughs> Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande and um it was one more artist on this too. They like switched. I'll um get their name in a second. It's Rafael de la Torre. Yes, boom. Who like complimented Elena Casagrande really well. Really, really like, well, yeah. The styles are a little bit different, but the way they both do their spreads and like the fight scenes throughout um, was great. The first four pages of this comic were everything. 
that scene of Natasha like seeing the dead Yelena and then the guys bribing her and she's like, hold on, like stop. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you need to focus. Like you got all these people and you gotta save this girl. Like what you about to do? And then just like boom, knocking them all out and getting. When she like <sighs> tapped her, her widow. <laughs> when she when she tapped her like uh, widow bite thing gauntlets on her wrist mm-hmm. and like uh, did that laser thing and and ripped around that was so dope. Um, this this series is. I mean, I don't know. I haven't had a. There hasn't really been a bad issue. There hasn't been. <laughs> so I will say the only thing that gets me is like, um, I while I do love the banter between Yelena and Natasha a lot of times. Sometimes I do feel as though it's like, all right. Like, girl, you dying. You need to, like, <laughs> like bring right. it down a couple of knots. So, so for those, uh, you know, who are also reading along, so even though Yelena kind of dies at the end of the last issue, the girl who they rescued, she has electric powers, and so yeah, she Lucy. shocked Yelena. Lucy, yeah, she shocks Yelena back to uh, life. They go back to their headquarters where they also run into Anya, who's Spider-Girl, who's been running undercover missions for Natasha. She lets her know, like, hey, my cover's been blown, but I got the serum we can kind of track these guys down. And that was one of the times where I was kind of like, all right, Yelena and Natasha need to stop talking. <laughs> right. Like, I actually appreciated that. I think did, Lucy said that to the Um, So I agree with that. Uh, but again, and I think that's kind of where Della Torres stepped in. And But again, the art just looked great. That scene of Yelena, Spider-Girl, and Natasha like fighting all the goons mm-hmm. in the church. It's hot. This is a hot comic. Really great. I really liked the moment where um, earlier in the issue when Yelena was uh, jumping out of the window with uh, Lucy and Black mm-hmm. Widow was like, okay, I've got a, a parachute, but it can only carry you two. Um, I'll meet you guys down there. And she just like jumps down and they land and she picks them up in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucy's like, how did you do that? <laughs> and and Yelena was like, girl. Don't ask no questions. Just get in the car. Just get in the car. Like, just know. She says she does this all the time. It's just like, <laughs> no, nah, I appreciate that, too. Because that's really how it be sometimes. It's just like, that's what yeah. the spies do. Um, um, what would you rate this issue? I'm definitely giving this a 4 out of 5. I think I think I would actually give it a 4.5 out of 5. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I really, really like this issue a lot. I, like, again, like, the, those first four pages of just, like, that whole scene. Like, that felt like I was watching a movie. Really, it felt like a movie. I was, I was, like, I yeah. was truly like, I was like rooting for her. I was, yeah, like, I was like, focus, bitch. I was like, <laughs> I was like, get up. <laughs> I was like, get up, because they, I was like, you gotta move. Um, so definitely, like, hi, congratulations to this series for all the success it has. May it continue to thrive and prosper and go on for fifty plus issues. Yes. Um. Next up on the list is Shang-Chi number three, and it's from Jean Lu and Yang and Dyke Ruin. And so um, I'm sticking with this book for a little bit longer. It's, um, it's trying to. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's trying to, you know, it's building up Shang-Chi and his family. So for those who have not been reading Shang-Chi, basically he has discovered he has a lot of family. His dad, that Papa was a Rolling Stone, and so he's got like a lot of half siblings all around the world. So we come into this issue, we've just discovered a new one. This is a girl they call her the Lake Witch. She uses this flu, and she's creating like these solid green constructs, 
and um, she like protects the people of the town. So they like the locals are trying. No, like these tour. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so some some tourists are trying to take a video of her, and like the locals, like, no, we don't allow people to let information about her go out. She protects us. We keep her secret. But another girl is secretly recording, so info of her gets out anyway. And now people are coming to like try and get her out. They're saying she's evil. She's doing all this stuff, of course. So we find out she is one of Shang Chi's half siblings, and that she didn't. So many. <laughs> Five now, <laughs> like <laughs> out there, um, and so this when she was sent away to study mystic arts rather than martial arts. But I still assume she learned a little bit of martial arts somewhere along the line because she does kind of they show some scenes of her fighting every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dad ends up sending her away to be like killed by one of Shang Chi's half brothers who he works with now. And he didn't do it, so she, he just left her in that forest or wherever she's at. And so they go to find her. She thinks they're coming to like finish the job and finally kill her because when he didn't, he took a piece of her flute, and so it's like a magically linked flute. So it was trying to find the other half. When they run into her, though, they also run into Wolverine. Oh. And Wolverine's like, I'm here to get one of my people because, like, the uh, sister says something to Wolverine. She's like, you know, you people are always jumping in and butting your heads in stuff that doesn't uh, pertain to you. And Shang-Chi's like, calm down with that you people comment. And Wolverine's like, (laughs) I'm here for my people, actually. Okay. (laughs) We find out out that the sister is a mutant. And that's why all of these people are, like, out there protesting and trying to get her killed. He's like, they want mutant blood. And the Wolverine let her know, you know, you can come to Krakoa and be with your people. And Shang-Chi's like, no, we need her. So they all kind of get into a little fight. Um, Afterwards, Shang-Chi and the sister kind of just talk for a minute. He lets her know that he's reforming what the group was about. And he knows that's what she used to do. And that's why the father tried to send her out, plus her being a mutant. Because, you know, he didn't like that. The His other two half-siblings even make a comment about how the father used to tell them mutants were bad people. And they were trying to take over the economy. And so they got... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they got a little prejudiced. They're like, we can't have a mutant joining the ranks of our organization. But nonetheless... After the sister and Shang talk, um, she agrees to go with them. She doesn't go to Krakoa, though Wolverine tells her, whenever you want to come, pop one in. And someone approaches her later on at the headquarters and is basically like, I'm going to turn her against Shang-Chi and them, you can tell. But he Mm -hmm. says that power is to transform music into solidified light. Oh, okay. So we're going to deal with that. In the next issue, Shang-Chi is fighting the Fantastic Four. Oh. So you should oh, pop in. Maybe I might pop in for that one. Pop in. For okay. I wonder why he would be fighting them. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, again, I think this whole series is about expanding Shang-Chi's, you know, just legacy in the MU, kind of reaffirming his relationships with a lot of the characters because you kind of realize Shang-Chi has been around a lot. He's been on a lot of different teams. He actually does know all of these people. Not Fantastic Four popping up. Shang-Chi. Oh, Oh, I forget how I forget how much how like cemented he is in this. <laughs> so I think this is a series is doing a pretty good job in just reaffirming that. Because every time somebody sees him, they're just like Shang Chi, like, I know you. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um What would you so rate this? Let's see. Um I would rate this a three point five out of five. I think the okay. art's nice, the action scenes are really well rendered. Um good stuff all around. 
Next up on the list is cable number 12. I believe this was the finale from Jerry Springer yes. and Phil Noto. Please tell yes. us all about it. So, you know, I... I, <laughs> I figured you didn't. And honestly, like, I ended up sticking with this because I had already, like, Fox was invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was already invested in this, so I decided to stick with it. Even though, like, again, this has a lot of the things that I'm not really that into as far as, like, time travel and clones and all that. But, like, honestly, overall, the, over the 12 issues, this was a fun series about, like, Kid Cable. And um, you walk away from it either liking Kid Cable or liking Old Cable. Um, but either way, like, you have some kind of opinion on either one of those. Um, and you just, this one, you get Old Cable fighting Stripe. Excuse me, he ends up uh, bringing in some reinforcements, and you have this really cool splash page of pretty much all the Summers and Deadpool. Um, Deadpool, Gene, Hope, Rachel. Uh, Gene's doing this kind of cool telekinetic uh, force field thing on on this tank that they're riding in. So, Gene fans, there you go. Oh, that's probably why they like this series. <laughs> yeah. I had a gene, she I had uses a that telekinesis fan. in this. I had a Gene fan tell me that this book was really good. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, telepathy in it. And it looks cool. Um, then I, I don't mind Noto's art, and I think that sometimes his interiors can be a little static. But, again, I think that for this send-off issue, those moments were great because you get some kid cable as he's getting ready to leave. He is breaking up with Esme, but, like, they are really coming to terms with each other. She reads his mind, and she sees that, like, how much they liked each other. Um, he... She takes his necklace from him, and so, like, you know, she can always have it. You end up later finding out that as she got older, she kept that necklace and is dating, I assume, that same Kid Cable. I don't know. There was a lot of time, like, hopping in this that I was confused on by the end, um, but whatever. Also, you find out, though, that this entire, like, time that Kid Cable had been around, that he had been monitored by telepaths because... A, Scott, Cyclops, uh, Emma, they, none of them were sure if he was actually a clone of Strife or if he was Strife himself. So the entire time he had been like under telepathic watch by all of them uh, before he left. So we find out that like Esme, she started off actually wanting to be around him uh, because of that. Like she was, he was the mission, but then she like, of course, fell in love with him. So that was an interesting reveal, uh, but whatever. I'm not the biggest fan of Cable, old Cable at I all. I actually ended up liking. <laughs> I think older Cable has got fans. People who love the '90s and like X Force and all that. So I think my thing about Cable is like, I never hear anybody, even like the Cable fans, I never hear anybody ever saying like, "Oh yeah, like this is a Cable story you got to check out." I mm. think, or if they say you got to check it out, it's not necessarily for Cable himself. It's for like the other people in the book. It's for even that one cable series I do remember reading from uh, Dwayne Straczynski, I think I believe his name was. I only read that book because of Bishop. Bishop was chasing hope. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. And it was like, but it's like it wasn't because of cable. It was because of Bishop. No, and I like seeing but, but like the whole chase. <laughs> yeah. And like all the other people in it. So I, I think that's just always kind of been my thing about cable. And it was like, oh, there's a book about him. It's like I have to like the characters around cable to actually read a book about him. And mm. this one had the summers, and it's like, that's not my favorite. 
<laughs> you know, I'm more of a House of M myself, but I thought this was going to change my mind you a lot, like but song. whatever. Ooh, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> you like um, Now, what would you rate this issue? Um, I would give this issue... Honestly, like a three out of five. It was solid. It was a nice send-off for Kid Cable. I liked the art and the coloring and everything, and the writing was was good. Everyone got some really cool moments within the book as well. So, yeah, I think it was pretty solid. Okay. Um, so before we get to these last two books, I do want to say, remember, I, I had a lot of books, so I'm not going to talk about everything today, but I do want to give a couple quick shout-outs to some other series that came out, like Action Comics, um, number let me let me check that number 1033 came out this week strange adventures uh superman the son of kal-el was a new series from tom taylor that started this week uh the mighty valkyries number four which is kind of moving a little bit slow but i think it's only one more issue left so whatever um please go check those out the final issue of the other history also came out i yes yes get a chance to read that just because i know it's going to be a very dense read but i'm definitely going to talk about that next week so be prepared because Mm -hmm. it's light I mean, it's, no, it's thunder. It's thunder, and like thunder's my girl. Mm-hmm. It's fierce. I've started. Uh, I started. I wasn't able to finish it because because like, who child? <laughs> I got so so much to read. <laughs> but like, um, it was really good so far. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. He, the the it. way he talks about, he actually also brings it full. We'll talk about it next week. It's good. I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> so, hold on. Really quick. Next up on this list is the Beta Ray Bill number five. Now, this was the final issue of this mini series from Danny Warren Johnson. And baby, let me tell you, Beta Ray Bill is nobody cooler. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, this is only five issues, guys. If you never read a Beta Ray Bill story in your life, please go and read this five issue miniseries from Danny Warren Johnson. It is great from start to finish. And this big issue is just a big fight scene between Bill and Sertor. You know, um, Bill's kind of like sees him. He's like, you killed my home world. You killed all these people I love. Like, I'm about to beat you down. So Tor's honestly like 100 feet tall. And so he's knocking Bill down. He's like, what can you do to me? And Bill's like, you know what? You're 100. He's like, you're so much bigger than me. Of course you can do that. He's like, how about we fight like mortals? Come down here. So Sertor's like, okay. And so he shrinks down to his size and they just start fighting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and like the fight is so big and bombastic and the shockwaves are like doing all this stuff that um scuttlebutt who has this humanoid form is able to like use the shockwaves as energy she creates this giant like mega cannon for scourge the executioner to use to shoot Sertor through the chest to like help bill win because honestly he's kind of kicking bill's ass um, <laughs> but like when he does that like I mean, scourge like so yeah, Scourge even like cries. He's like, "Oh my gosh, thank you for like giving me the opportunity to use such a beautiful weapon." Um, and then, like the art is just so beautiful. Ugh. It's. Have you ever seen Mad Max Fury Road? Yes. It feels like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like big, intense. It's just action heavy. It's beautiful. Uh, Pip does get hurt severely trying to save Bill, uh, but but. They manage to blow off Sertor's arm in the process. Again, they end up beating him. Bill gets the sword that he came the Twilight Sword, which is able to t- turn him back into his like normal Corviknight form, so he doesn't just look like the Horseman anymore. Oh, cool. Um, Valkyries come back to get Surge, take him back to Valhalla. At the end of it, Pip is saying, like, oh, you know, Bill, you're back to your human self. How do you feel? This is what you wanted. You must feel amazing. And they, there's a shot of Bill looking in the mirror. And he's like, yeah, it's everything I've ever wanted. But he still sees the horse face. Oh. And it's, like, really sad. 
it's like, oh my gosh, it's like he's just so unhappy. <laughs> it's like you finally got what you wanted, but it was the other version of yourself that you really needed to be. Yeah, it's just like you were you were fine. Like everyone was accepting you for you. It's like why are you still hiding behind this mask? Like, this is just a really and it's like so uh interesting to see how Dane Warren Johnson has really still captured all of this emotion and all of this like kind of insecurity that Bill has about himself and his appearance and how he looks and how he is perceived, but also still having him like overcome it in different ways, but still it being a big battle for him. So it's great. This is a great book. I want a part two, like seriously. Okay. Yes. Same team. I, same team. I mean, it's only one guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's true. Guy. He draws and writes the book. Um, but I would definitely love part two of this because it was hot. I would rate this. This would be another like five out of five for me. This series as a whole, this five issue miniseries as a whole, the five out of five. Never oh, bad. Yes. Shout out to and our final issue on the list is a fantastic one here, and we have a sword number seven. From Al Ewing and Stefano mm. Cassell. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'm gonna let you take. Are you question. are you ready to enjoy your time in space? Are you ready to enjoy magic? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what's happening in space right now. <laughs> you know. Um, I will and if say you want to magic, talk about it, we can talk about it. <laughs> so magic will always be great for the visual and mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. fantastic punching bag for the science people to come in and use. Because mm -hmm. what more do you need other than, like, you know, the mindless ones to beat up? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, Wicked gets stabbed with, the, with that sword. And uh, another sword that disrupts magic out in space. And then you have this conversation with Doom and Storm. And they're even talking. He even says it. He's like, what are your technopaths? He's like, magic and name already. It's just. <laughs> it's, it's just. It's not. I it's just, not. It's I not magic. You, <laughs> I just to accept. Any. That, any, that you love. Nope. <laughs> any, anyway. Um, we start this story off with, uh, we get this big flash warning that there's this big emergency that went out to everyone, but certain people haven't really received it. Um, so we find out that like earth was notified, but not everybody, nobody responded. Uh, so something was fishy was going on there. Uh, Hulkling has released Captain Glory from a prison. He was in prison from Empire, which I think this is really cool that. Like, I'm assuming this is Ewing pretty much using a lot of his own stuff because Captain Glory was created in um, oh, Avengers No Surrender <laughs> that Ewing was a part of the writing team for. Um, so, and to have him be used in Empire and now here, I think that's cool that we can kind of follow him throughout these stories and see where these kind of all connect out in space. Um, so, they, Hulkling and Captain Glory are pretty much fighting all these mindless ones while Doom and Storm are having dinner on Arako and pretty much just, you know, catching up, <laughs> chopping it up. And Doom Doom's is basically trying. there. He is, he is. He was pretty much there to tell the mutants that you are dabbling in something you may not know what you're doing because he reveals that the Mysterium is actually from the White Hot Room, which, like, um, shout out to the... Shout out to the mutants for 
figuring out how to get there on their own yeah. <laughs> without Jean, you know. <laughs> so oh, she's lost something else. <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> so um, I thought that that was interesting, and the way that Doom kind of broke it down, where they he says, you know, the mutants have now gone to heaven and taken a piece of the clouds with them. However, that when he did that, he wore gloves. And I thought that that was an interesting callback to pretty much when he did in Secret Wars, uh, both the original and the Hickman version, where he took power from the Beyonder and mm. like rewrote the world <laughs> and, and did all that. So I thought that, that was a really cool callback. They had a pretty much a lot of like cool callbacks with each other. Shade Fest all around. It was great. And, th- and this was a storm I love. Like, I-, I think we've talked about this before, but I love a cocky storm. This is I love a storm. storm that, like, walks into the room and she, you know, she can be as warm and loving as she wants to be. But, like, she, her character should always have a presence. Exactly. I, th- I think I talk about uh, that Hickman issue of X-Men where Xavier Magneto and Apocalypse went to the UN and, like, Apocalypse was saying things like, you know, I am the reason that the world was destroyed and all this stuff like that. Like, that's how Storm should talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she should be like, I am a goddess. And it's like, you are lucky to look upon me. And it's like, and I'm happy to give you that grace. And so it's like, when I see this type of stuff with Doom, I was just like, he tried the right one. Exactly. She can actually play that game. And she shut it down with that lightning bolt. And <laughs> I love that. This is exactly the kind of storm that, like, like I said, I've said before that storm had been boring for a long time. This storm is not boring. <laughs> this is storm has pretty much just been like a bird in a cage for a long time. And her becoming the region of soul is giving her something to do outside of whatever she was doing on Earth, which was nothing. So I would I would read a storm solo book now if it was written by Al Ewing. Yes, and about, about her being like the yes, region the region of soul. With <laughs> <laughs> the great ring is like the side character. Like I would read yeah. that solo. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um also shout out to Abigail Brand in this book because I'm into her. That's the girl. You know, uh so we get back into the whole war with the mindless ones and we find out that um the reason <laughs> that uh, the Avengers and other people hadn't come. It was because uh, Abigail Brand had intercepted their that transmission that went out to them so that they never got it because she wanted S.W.O.R.D. to actually be the ones to come in and help because she needed to have that leverage over Hulkling so that as whenever they get ready to present in front of the entire Galactic Council, they'll have the alliance on their side. So, you know, I understand her scheming, but you know that's going to come back and bite her. You know it. I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> Abigail Brand and Maria Hill are my type of women because they just do what needs to be done sometimes. They don't, and they don't mind being the bad guy. I always mm. respect a person who like knows like I am the bad guy, but I'm okay with that. You know, I didn't notice that you like those types of characters until you recently said that. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> those kind of characters, I'm like, I'm always want to be like, why don't you just be honest <laughs> instead of lying? And we could we could all be in on the secret. It doesn't have to be a secret. But they wouldn't be, and that's the problem. <laughs> I would be like uh, Cecil in Invincible. Same yeah. thing. Those are the right people. It's for the greater good, though. So. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, or for them, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I I would rate this issue a 4.5 out of 5. Agreed. Also another 4.5 out of 5. Uh, excellent series. I really want... I'm rating... I love it. I do, I do kind of feel bad that I feel like this has been getting roped into a lot of um, crossovers already, even though I know The Last yeah. Annihilation is uh, our even event. But, you know, King and Black, we just had uh, X of Swords. I mean, not X of Swords. Hellfire Gala was there, which wasn't really... I mean, technically, X of Swords, this spun out of X of Swords. Oh, yeah. So, um, But that also, that's happened to a couple of Al's books before. Because I remember that was the thing with his new Avengers. Oh, yeah. Like, that was all events, basically. And his oh, yeah, and his ultimates. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of always happening to him, which is so. I mean, and he he does really well at making the events fit into his story, and they like do. We, so it doesn't really feel like it's being taken over, but it's just always in something. So I guess I just kind of wanted to let it be its own thing for a little bit. Uh, I did not enjoy Hulkling, and I realized this issue a big problem. I mean, everybody knows I don't like Hulkling. I love Wicking. We can love his man, so I deal with Hulkling. But I do not like <laughs> And uh, this issue kind of amplified that for me because when did he become such this decisive, just leader type of character? Maybe this is who he is when his man not around. No, it's not. <laughs> man who got to be worried has... about his man crying. So, so that's, the thing. Gets... that's the thing. His man always has to come and save him because Teddy's always been the character who like does things that gets in over his head. And then and and I was like maybe I just like missed something. But I was like Teddy's never been by himself. Wiccan has been by himself. He's been in Strike Force. He led the Avengers for a little bit of time. Um, he's helped the magic folks out in the times of crisis. Whenever you see Hulkling on his own, he is like failing. Or he's involved in some, like, space war that he doesn't actually want to be a part of because he doesn't want to be a leader. He's never led any teams. He's not really that smart. He's not tactical. But then you get into this issue, and I don't know, I didn't read Empire, so maybe it happened there. He got these skills. But it's like, oh, he's all of a sudden Empire space. He's king of space. And he's, like, leading war nations and, like, calling for the armada. Who gave you these skills? It seems as though as soon as he became king of space that, like, he became way more like uh ready is the word i guess i could say like for stuff but i don't know just, again maybe this is who he is when he's not away from his man i don't know it just doesn't feel earned to mm. me and um but I, I mean i also don't like hulking so i don't really care enough to like whatever his 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 magic sword broke but i'm not surprised magic... most magic things always end up failing <laughs> until no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they all you see they almost get you I, they almost get you they almost get Same. you but those are the books of the weeks let's um <laughs> let's go ahead and take a little break <laughs> and <then> we'll come <laughs> back <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back to uh, the panel section of another relaunch. And this week, I uh, wanted to have a little quick discussion on the team speak and <laughs> dialogue. So you just heard me talk about 
uh, Rocket and Static and this entire uh, Milestone relaunch and <clears throat> kind of the differences between someone of the current generation writing a character versus someone who is from a previous generation writing a character. And these characters are young and writing their voices. Now, I have not been shy about saying that, like, I do not like hearing teen characters sound like 40-year-old men from 1997. I think that's weird. But um, it seems to, like, consistently happen. So I wanted to talk about, like, how do we fix that? Like, how do you fix a character or how do you how do you write a character to kind of have a better voice for themselves and still sound young and not have like you know the bend to speak where everything is equipped um honestly i don't really think it's something that you can fix i think it has to be a thing that's in the writer and honestly i think for the writer to be able to do that you have to actually talk to young people (laughs) (laughs) um and I and I and I think that's just a big problem for a lot of people. And, then, and I know that can be hard for a lot of people because you, who's coming into contact with a 16-year-old child, like right. on a day-to-day basis? You know what I'm saying? But <clears throat> I'm pretty sure someone has like family members or something like that. And I think it's just one of those things. I talk to my little cousin all the time. She's just she just turned 13. Happy birthday, Kennedy. She's the one who likes Black Widow. Oh, uh, she like the movie. She did like the movie. She tried to think, like, Yelena wasn't that girl, but... (laughs) uh, uh, But, you know, I talk, like, she and I talk about Black Widow, and the thing is, like, I know what kids say because that's what she says to me. And it's just, Mm. like, you just have to be open to that and really kind of engage. And, of course, it's never going to be something that I'm going to say in my adult life, but it's just recognizing that, oh, this is for the kids. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, I feel like there the way that you kind of kind of like what you say you can't really fix it per se, but the way the writers can kind of enhance the way that they write those kids is just talking to some kids or you know just probably doing some kind of like research or whatever. Or just even actually, you don't even have to do all of that. Honestly, just have them talk normally. <laughs> <laughs> or that too, yes. But, you know, but sometimes people will say that the kid is sounding like an adult. My thing is like, but and so and I guess that's the thing too. It's like when I say talk normally, it's how do you talk to your friends? You know, even as a, an adult, we all have like jokes and things like that that we say. There's there's just a sense of I guess youthfulness that comes along with it, and just that uh, and being happy. Like just write natural dialogue. You don't have to add the slang because again, these children characters these days are not going to be saying things that we used to say in the '90s. Aqualad. It, as a 13-year-old two years ago should not be telling me that his favorite band is the Wu-Tang Clan. I don't believe it. <laughs> no. Absolutely I don't not. believe it. And it's okay. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, you don't have to even name drop. And I think that's what it really comes down to. They start name dropping things. Yeah. And they start giving you these references that feel very old and feel very dated. And so it's just kind of like that, 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 like, that lets you know you don't talk to anyone young people <laughs> or or things when things feel like super forced i remember once there was a panel where um a character was just talking about beyonce and jay-z and it's like why would they even bring this up so that happened in um what the falcon book that came out and this this was a series that suffered from exactly what you're talking about writing teen characters and that falcon series that came out that was written by rodney barnes it had it introduced patriot ray sean lucas the worst thing about that book was Patriot. 
jokes because of how (laughs) (laughs) and the things he would say they would be like in the middle of a fight they're like fighting vampires in harlem or something or detroit wherever he took him he took him out of his hometown and he's talking about jay-z and beyonce and like jordans and all of these and it's just like why is this (laughs) right I don't even talk to my 13-year-old cousin about Beyonce. Because why? Like, she and I are not looking at Beyonce in the same type of world or, like... (laughs) Or having that kind of conversation in this type of context. Like... It just doesn't relate like that. You know, in this this most recent um, Icon and Rocket issue... What'd you say? Is Beyonce not making music for a 13 year old? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. In this in this uh icon and rocket issue that just launched, um Rocket Raquel is having this conversation with Icon and she's trying to convince him to be a superhero and um he's like, Oh, I don't want to be a superhero, like why would I want to do that? And uh, Raquel gives a speech about uh, Martin Luther King and how <laughs> and about how Martin Luther King is a superhero and how like that's how what he would have wanted and it's like what what teenage girl would use <laughs> would like bust out into a Martin Luther King speech to, to convince someone to be a superhero today they have new heroes and like new people who they look up to. Like that's probably when they would talk about Beyonce, honestly. <laughs> right. <laughs> like to be perfectly honest. I love it. The King speech thrown in the comments. So, so this is my thing with Milestone. I think I have come to realize um, I love the idea of Milestone and like what it represents and like what it did for those creators yeah. more than I actually like the characters. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think that's why I've kind of like not been reading the Icon Rocket series, but I think uh, again, it's a big part of that. You have this world that's supposed to be full of younger characters that is written by people trying to feel like they're younger characters and it just doesn't come off. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if they're trying to like recapture the essence of whatever the, the the character was giving in the 90s or something, but that's... <laughs> it's not the 90s anymore. It's like... The 90s we gotta let it, good, let it go. I don't know. The 90s had some good stuff. They might be on something. I get it a little bit. I, I mean, oh, for sure. Hello, I'm born in the 90s. I get that. But, like, I think the grip that it has on on certain things is just, it's time to let some of that go. Especially yeah. if, when you are using it in relation to, like, dialogue. And it's so interesting to me that the 90s has such a chokehold because, I mean, I get it. I guess the cartoons were probably at the most popular time then, but it's like, I think about now. The 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 2000s and 2010s had, was probably like one of the best years for comics. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you know, we get the MCU in between all of that. And so to see that more people are still clinging on to the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like we've actually had like really good stories come around since then. Like, and and it's like they're referenced a little bit here and there, but still, we always go back to the nineties. It's crazy. But I've seen, I mean, I've seen articles talk about like our generation and like millennials having hard times letting shit go. So that's probably why we are still stuck (laughs) in in the nineties because. (laughs) 
And again, I think, you know, I saw something recently that really broke it down when it comes to like nostalgia, where it is, um, you don't really miss that thing. You miss the way that thing made you feel at that time. And I think that is with a lot of <laughs> nostalgia things, especially like like the X-Men animated series. Like I think a lot of I people made this. And I think a lot of people miss the way that the X-Men made them feel at that time and not really like the show because that wasn't very great. You know, that episode where Jean like first turned into the Phoenix and they were like battling the Shi'ar and then she dies on the planet. Oh, the Phoenix saga gave. Let's not get like, <laughs> I'm team, not gonna lie there. And the team like all gives a part of their soul to like revive her. The part people liked of this of the series. What an iconic moment it's like animated history. I think about that all the time, honestly. I don't know why Jean Falling has been so impactful when it was really that scene. The like ball like going through all their chest and they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like they're giving the they're giving their life right. It was beautiful. That was a yeah. great yeah, um, that, the Phoenix saga is is iconic. I mean, it's, it's probably the most talked about portion of that show. But, like, again, you know, <laughs> the, the Phoenix has been carrying things for much too long. It's time to, to let it go. Just went back to the white hot room. Betsy said it once in Uncanny X-Men when um, House of M was going on and, like, her and Rachel got trapped in the white hot room. Betsy was like, does everything have to revolve around that bloody bird? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, <laughs> real question. <laughs> she's just like, you know, what's going on? We're just like, oh, it's the white hot room, the heart of the phoenix. And she's just like, come on. It's like, <laughs> come on. Although, yeah. again, Sword did it really well. I was into that. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was cool. When they went, that was like, that was really cool. Oh, it's, it's weird. Why don't we ever see um Jean's family? Aren't they supposed to be in the white hot room? They were dead and killed. But, like, she took them in at the end. That was like a thing. It was like Rachel. When? Like, at the end of that story, at the end of the de- uh, the end of Grey's storyline, after like mm-hmm. the Shi'ar kills all of her family, Rachel is like crying, looking out, and mm-hmm. we see the spirit of like the grandmother and some other people walking into the white hot room, and like there's an image of Jean above them. Oh, I just assumed they went to like heaven. I don't know. I don't know if it was like supposed uh, to be the white hot room. I don't think Jean would be in heaven. <laughs> Well, well, she, <laughs> well, not, well, I mean, also, <laughs> um, but no, because she's in the white hot room, so that's why. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I think he mentioned she'd be in the other place. <laughs> um, we don't know where Annie is. <laughs> I wonder if her parents ever came looking for her. Regina? Yeah. For revenge? For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I would. <laughs> or just like, you know, hey, what happened to Annie? Hmm. Jean probably wiped their memories. Oh, yeah. She was pretty powerful back then. So, she give it to um, but Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the way that we kind of fix this, the dialogue with stuff is really just like, let them speak and mm-hmm. and try not to have them, you know, drop too many like pop culture references because it sounds really forced. You know, there was a recent truth and justice um issue 
mm-hmm. uh, which is a digital series by DC that they put out. I don't know if it's weekly or or how often it comes out, but there was a Vixen segment and like I love Vixen, so I instantly got the yeah. series even though like. You know, you warned me against it because it was written by Jeff Thorne, but <laughs> <laughs> I picked it up anyway because I like Vixen. And of course, like she was talking about Idris Elba in it and um, <laughs> <laughs> talking about throwing hands and stuff. And it's like, stop it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so interesting. And I, it, again, I think it really just comes across of how it's done and how they write the characters because... I think about that future state Aquaman issue with mm-hmm. Jackson when he was training Andy and they're like going through all of their different training segments. One of his training segments was called throw hands. Mm-hmm. But again, like that feels like something Jackson would say. He's a part of that age demographic. Right. Dixon is not. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt weird. Um, um, so, yeah, I just I so, just want to to have that little cut talk. I think slang just doesn't have to be used at all. Again, um, mm-hmm. I think once you really try too hard to make these characters sound like they're a part of something younger, then it automatically feels forced. Because I, when you think about it, even when you were younger, how often did you say some of these words to people in real life? Right. In in the middle of conversation like this. Yeah. Like, and, and you weren't being, like, ironic or just trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, and then the people who do say it sound ridiculous. So. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like who talks like this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like just talk. Like, like, how do you talk to your friends right now? Write that down. <laughs> right. Unless you and your Add friends are fine, pro- then don't write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah keep that away. <laughs> and then, oh. and and you, and just really quickly to end it off, don't have the aliens use it either. Because I always think about yeah, that oh. issue. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Space. Why would an alien know what a twink is? <laughs> like, Why? please, get that out of here. We have don't. the examples of what not to do. So please, <laughs> so please don't. <laughs> so Who please do you, don't. Who, do you have... Um, do you have any like comic book writers who you think do teen voices very well though? Um, Kelly Thompson. Shocking. <laughs> I know, shocking. <laughs> but like they, she does do pretty good teen characters. Um, I guess she's got Lucy and she's got Anya right now, and she's done like Nico and some mm-hmm. other. Yeah. She's got a track record. Um, and uh, Hawkeye. Okay, Bishop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would definitely give Gillen. Um, anybody who's done a Young Avengers run, I think, did pretty well. Yes. Uh, currently, Rainbow Rowell, she does the Runaways. I think she does the uh, Young Avengers. She's also a Young Adult novel writer, I believe. So mm-hmm. she's got that. You know, you have actually talked about that series before, and I've never meant heard you say anything about there being like teen speak or anything like that in it. Because they're just talking. <laughs> just talking like normal people, I guess. <laughs> you know, normal kids just have a conversation. They get mad like they're not throwing like a Beyonce reference at you for no reason, or mm-hmm. you know, it's just like if I and only there's like I'm listening to music. It's like, oh, right. Okay. Cool. And they're now making about, like TikTok references or something. 
Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not needed. The story's <laughs> good. Mm. But she's good one. She's really good. I, kinda, I think I might like Rainbow Rowell a lot. Okay. I'm not honestly a huge Runaways fan, but every time I've kind of like dipped in and out of that series to just pick up an issue or three, it's good. Hmm. It's hot. I would like to see them on some other characters then, because I'm not the biggest young, I mean, Runaways fan either, but like I've heard great things about the work, so I would love to see them on something else. Yeah, I want her to. Do, I want her to do Avengers. I actually want Kelly Thompson to do Avengers, but I also want Red Overwell to do Avengers. Oh. Oh, Kelly Thompson on Avengers would be great. But she, she she can't write everything. You know? That's true. That is true. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that was this little panel. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back for more. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to another panel, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. No, this is another panel. This is an oh, this is the another reread part two. Yes. <laughs> part no two, surrender. everybody, of uh, rereads of Avengers No Surrender from uh, issue nine to the end of to issue sixteen, and uh, this is a lot of fun. Again, mm-hmm. like I said from the last. Uh, part one, I thought that this has been like a, a really like fun and bombastic like event. I would yeah. love to see this like animated and this and turned into something. This, this is agree. This is this is probably one of the premier Avengers events of the 2000s, 2010s. For sure. Uh, I can't think of anything else that was probably more well received than this around the time. Like, and again, we I think we've talked about like event fatigue and how mm-hmm. we get a lot of stuff with the Avengers at one point in time, and it was just kind of dragging on. And then No Surrender came around, and it was like, oh, like you said, this was fun. It was exciting. Again, you brought in a lot of Avengers who you didn't see before. Although I'm still kind of upset we didn't get Firebird. You know, reading this again this time around and and knowing that you are a Firebird fan, I thought, wow, she could have made an appearance because they were very strategic about this mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you could tell that, like, they they had it written in story to take out certain characters because, obviously, if you have the Avengers and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, there's not too much of a threat for, like, these two characters that are used in this or, like, with... They they would have figured out the whole Voyager thing <laughs> a lot a lot sooner, okay. you know. So they were very strategic about which characters they use. So they could have easily you know thrown Firebird in there. They could have threw my sister bone. She's like has relationships with a lot of these characters. She's like like we need. To, I really hope she comes back. They gave Echo the Phoenix. That is they so did. weird. They did. You have a Firebird. You have a literal Firebird. Mm-hmm. You know, I also thought in this book that Nadia in this could have been Firestar. That could have been cool. Oh, yeah, that would have been You know, when she was with Jarvis and, like, doing all that, because Firestar needs some stuff to do, too. I really And she's, like, you know, associated with the Avengers. She she doesn't get enough love. I kind of love Firestar. I think Mm -hmm. she she is the original, like, you know, Kitty Pryde. Yeah, that young girl thing. Yeah, that young girl motif. She was a hellion. She like she got her mutant. She's on the X Men. She doesn't do anything anymore. But 
It's a shame mm-hmm. that they have. Again, this just reminded me how many characters that like Marvel actually has, and again that are kind of missing. Like I said, like where's Quicksilver? And I mean Scarlet Witch isn't in a book. Falcon. I don't even yeah. think Captain America's T. Rogers isn't in the book right now. Yeah, I think his book just ended with Coast. He does have that little mini series going on right now, the United States and Captain America's, which I actually picked up the second issue because mm. um, Sam is in that. So like, there's a network of like people claiming the title of Captain America going around. But there's also like a doppelganger Captain America who's like attacking the young people being Captain America. It's not that great. Um, <laughs> but. <Okay. laughs> <laughs> it, it's nice uh, to see these people again. Uh, I did want to say this features a lot of your faves, though, so it, it makes sense why you would like it so much. It does. There's a lot of Wonder Man in this. So, like, I will say that this half was Hulk heavy compared to the first half. Um, like, the first six issues were all about like the Hulk here. Um, I want to say like issues like nine through like. I won't say six issues, but like <laughs> the first few issues were um, all about the Hulk and him breaking out and wanting to break into the vault. And uh, then we finally get like some a little showdown between the Hulk and Wonder Man. And I will say that it was funny <laughs> to see Wonder Man get called out on his pacifism by the Hulk mm-hmm. while the Hulk is pretty much like beating into Wonder Man and Let's be honest, no one else there could have been able to take, like, those kind of punches from the Hulk. You know, <laughs> shout out to my boy having the power to do that. <laughs> but, like, he's punching him and he's, you know, preaching on about, like, I won't fight you. Let's talk about this. We're friends. And the Hulk says, friends, like, you're not my friend. You are a, you're an ego-driven guy from Hollywood who preaches pacifism because you can't get hurt. Look how powerful you are. And I thought that that was funny for people, for someone to call him out on. A nice uh, thing Yeah. You know, hopefully after this, he, he hasn't really appeared too much after this. And at the end of this event, he said that, you know, I'm looking for a change of pace. So maybe whenever someone brings him back, he won't be as... It was really interesting to see, like, how jumping ahead obviously how this ended off for some of the people and some of the things that they did i think sunspot was a really big example of that he's one of the characters who pretty much thrived as an avenger and yeah. like, even see him kind of make a comment about how he's like one of the strongest mutants currently on earth and he's helping like turn real and stuff and then at the end we see him kind of leaving that avenger life to go back to the x-men he's been using the what was it, citizen v citizen z v i think Z? And then he's, what, yeah. and then like at the end he's like, oh, I'm going, I'm call me Citizen X to kind mm-hmm. of show him going back to the X Men, which was like nice because now you think about where he's gone, he's about to be king of space and hopefully they should still do that. Isn't I thought your boy's man is king of space. He's like of that part of space. <laughs> you know, Hickman had Bobby up in space. He's trying to get with Deathbird. Like he's gonna be king right, of the shield. Right, right. Well, I guess they got. He'll 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 be king of space. I've heard it. That would be nice. Anyways, I like Sunspot as an Avenger though. He's fun as an Avenger. Um, same with like Rogue. She's was really cool in this, using a bunch of different people's powers and mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, they have some really great showcasings as Avengers and like being and superheroes leaders. in this. And yeah. like leaders. And and again, I think a great thing that this series did was kind of emphasize that. 
Falcon, Rogue, and Sunspot are like Avengers leaders. They're yes. not just regular members of this team. It's like when they come into the picture, they're more than likely going to be running the mission or telling people what to do, and everyone's mm-hmm. going to kind of stay and respect that. And I thought that was just really great because, again, the normal trinity of Steve, Iron Man, and I guess Carol a little bit. Thor. Do people like follow Thor? Does he lead them? I feel like most Avengers stories I've ever read, it's either been Tony or Iron Man. I feel like it's Tony or Steve. Tony or Steve leading. But there's like maybe Jack action. Wasp? I guess maybe. She's an original. Who do you guys think are the like leaders of the Avengers? Please let us know. Because I'm curious now. I'm I'm curious now too who you guys think is the is like their trinity of leaders. Outside of, like, obviously the supreme one is Falcon, Rogue, Sunspot. But, like, if obviously we know Steve is one, we know Tony's one. If you had to pick a third Avenger who you feel as though everyone would follow, who would it be? Mm. Giant Man? Hank? Hasn't he, like, led the team before? No. Yes. I know Scarlet <laughs> Witch has. She had a, a run where she tried to lead. It failed. It did not. It did not. I don't, know, I don't see that doing that. It did not go very well. Okay. They didn't really listen to her like that. Carol's never led, but she's not a leader like that. She led the Ultimates. I guess because I think of like her leading the Ultimates and leading the charge in Civil War II. You and... always think of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was her event. Um, you know, and um, I guess being in charge of like Alpha Flight and stuff like that. I guess I don't really see her. I guess she's not an Avengers leader. Right. But see I see what I'm saying? She's I... mostly like a member. Oh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I think it was Wasp. If you guys know the third person, let us know. Maybe it's just Tony and Steve. Maybe Monica. Oh, that would be great. Oh, he's probably Monica. Or is it Black Panther now? He doesn't lead either, does he? I feel like now they would probably pick Black Panther, but it should be Monica. Monica. All right, let us know if you guys agree and if you think Monica is also... Spectrum. Spectrum, yes. That, like... I did think that this was cool that that it spun out with a a bunch of different series after this. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, at the beginning of this part of uh, No Surrender, we got a lot of mentionings of the Green Door. And this is Mm -hmm. how, you know, the Immortal Hulk series kind of spun out of this. I didn't realize that going back and reading this, that this is what, how that started. Because this is so long ago. Al Ewing has just been working. Okay. Yeah. The man has been planting seeds all along the Marvel Universe, and we are watching them come. For real. And it's just like, I kind of feel like, and I and I hate to say this, but I kind of feel like he's starting to get to a point maybe where he might be like making his way out of comics a little bit or like I know, writing I know. less. I know. Like, do you feel that. that? Yeah. Do you feel that? Okay. Yeah. I thought I was going crazy, but like kind of where he is right now, he's been writing for a long time when you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, a lot of stuff he's doing feels very big, but it's kind of like, all right, this is my last hurrah. Maybe I'll start focusing on some more creator-owned stuff or just some other projects he has. But I would hope to be wrong. But mm-hmm. I would love to be wrong because I keep wanting him to keep <laughs> keep going. He hasn't. Um, he hasn't written my like. I still got a few characters I need him to write first. So did did you like events like this where it's kind of like 
this is just going to be a big, fun superhero event, and we're going to throw up some some characters. This is literally a game. <laughs> this The stage is set as Earth is just the, the board for the game, and there's no real rhyme or reason for this. We're not That's really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I do guess, love yeah. a game of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, these are definitely up my alley. I, yeah. so I, I guess I guess for me, I like the unpredictability of it. And mm-hmm. the it makes all of your heroes and the characters involved, they have to get, like, you start to see, who again, who your leaders are, the tactics that they have, how they come about it. It makes you get creative with it because, again, if anything can happen, then how do you beat it? And then how are they figuring it out? Um, and I think this issue did a really good job. Despite the length that it has, you never felt like it was dragging the plot or, like, dragging yeah. the mystery. Even though we knew who was behind it all very early on the hero still found out pretty early on as well it's like or not necessarily even who it was by but that it was a game or that mm-hmm. like things weren't as they should be you know rogue ended up uh zapping what's his space corvus uh corvus and, like, yeah yeah and that's how she found out about it and then other people said other things so it was less, like that's cool too yeah, I, I think I do like events like this, too, kind of where they have these opposite sides, but they are written in a way for the story for it to kind of make sense. Uh, so I guess kind of like a game, even with like Secret Wars, both the original and uh, the the reboot, where there are different sides and, uh, you know, like kind of like you said, both sides, you get to see how they kind of strategize and stuff. I like that. Uh, so, I love a game of wits. A battle yeah. of wits. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. What would you rate this entire like event? Ooh, as an entire thing. I think I would give it a strong four out of five. I distinctly remember at the time of this coming out enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I remember tweeting about it. I remember because it came out like on a weekly basis, and I remember saying at the time like it never feels like it's dragging along. It's continuously moving, and even when it does have a slower issues, it has really heartfelt emotional beats with the characters. They feel impactful. It feels like everything matters. Again, I couldn't tell you Nadia from any of those other teen heroes at the time, but I know <laughs> she about Jarvis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, even Voyager, who was this character who was put in the game to kind of like throw the heroes off and be fake, you gotta actually start to care about her a little bit. She's a little useless. Them um, <laughs> teleporters, child. Raven, it's a Raven all it's over. It's a Raven, yeah. That's all Raven. I was thinking about. Um, but you know, you kind of start to care, and even when she leaves, you're kind of like, oh, maybe she'll come back and actually be a real Avenger one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, definitely a strong four out of five. Art was yeah. good throughout. Character designs look good. Action was there. Mm-hmm. It was good. Great, great pages, great dialogue. I thought that I would also give it a solid like four out of five it was really great and it stood up to me some events don't and they i yeah. feel differently about them when i read them much later uh, but this one i could always see like, still standing up and me still enjoying much later a lot of cohesion it, it, it had such a big cast but you still felt like you saw everybody everybody had ample time to speak everybody had time to do something show what they could this was good right this has been gifts Good. Congrats <laughs> to everyone gifts. involved. Congrats yeah. to everyone involved. Shout out to all of y'all. All right, y'all. So that brings us to the end of the show. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can find us also on Instagram at Another Relaunch. 
And you can also find us uh, if you have any questions, concerns, you can send emails to anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on any social media platforms I'm out there at UncannyLZ. Kenan, where can they find you? You know, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Maybe not so much on Instagram anymore. That kind of is like a dead site. Truly. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's an underscore at the end. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here. We will see y'all next week. Peace.